yeah, I was basically paddling with my two buddies into Atlantic City, so uh, going into this weird, weird city, um, massive casinos, small slum houses right beside, uh, end up paddling into the harbor, and uh, this guy just throws his arm out of his sailboat and, and waves hi to us, and basically we we're like, okay, this is this is cool, you know, we'll, we say hi, and we go to the dock, and we bring our kayaks out, and we're trying to figure out where we're going to camp for the night, seeing as we're now in an urban setting, and uh, the guy that said hi from his boat comes up to us and basically says, hey, I'm the kingpin here. Did he use the words kingpin? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he was, and, and it just so happens we were we were wondering if he was either like subtly threatening us uh, or just actually being friendly. And just so happens, um, he asked us where we were going to sleep. We were like, I have no clue. And he's like, you're going to sleep in my boat tonight. Ended up spending three nights in his boat and um, brought us to the restaurant that first night. And before you know it, um, the, the cook comes out and talks to us. And he's like, hey, um, where do you guys paddle from, from Montreal? Oh man, that's sick. Can I do anything for you guys? And we're like, oh well, we'd love to smoke a joint. And just so happens that he, he's like, oh what, a joint? And he looks at us with like a, like a little glim in his eye, and he's like, okay, wait a second. And he kind of disappears. He's he's on shift, you know. He just he left, and then ends up coming back like thirty minutes later with a little bag of weed. And, and in New Jersey, you're, you're not supposed to smoke joints because it is still illegal at this point. It was illegal in Canada as well. This is 2015. Um, and it just so happens, even the server, you know, she offered us, she said that the, the meal and the drink, one drink was free. And we're like, oh, this is sweet. And we take a drink. And then just so happens that she comes back and she's like, hey, by the way, all the drinks are free. You can take as much as you want. <laughs> and the owner comes out, talks to us. And during this time, we're still sitting with the kingpin. And the kingpin's just like, you know, his arms are folded and like kind of chuckling at the idea that we're just being served all this. And before you know it as well, the last night um, that we were in Atlantic City, um, the, the mayor of the city uh, and his partner invited us to come and eat supper at his house so there we are just sitting with the mayor at his dining room table with his partner and yeah we were just like treated like rock stars basically throughout that expedition yeah who was the kingpin the kingpin was just i think he was an electrician by trade and he he was retired and he just knew everyone he was just you know he was the kingpin because he was loved by everyone. He was just, you know, he was a good guy. Oh, man, I kind of feel bad because I don't remember his name. It's been such a <laughs> long time, it feels. Um, ah, well, you know. So uh, we kind of jumped into that story with the zero context. Um, let's to tell the listeners about this expedition. So in uh, 2015... Uh, two buddies and myself, Luke and Julian, um, we uh, decided to kayak from Montreal 
to the Yucatan in Mexico in a little town called Rio Lagartos. And this expedition became a 7,350-kilometer uh, journey, and basically we, uh, we paddled for 15 months um, throughout the east coast of the Americas, or from, from basically uh, New York to... Uh, New York to the Yucatan, basically. Um, so we came out of Montreal, paddled up the St. Lawrence River. Uh, we, ma we made south on the Richelieu River, reached Lake Champlain, uh, then crossed um, the lake, and then ended up in the, the uh, Champlain Locks, and then went through the locks uh, up until uh, the Hudson River. And then from the Hudson River, we went down ended up um, right off New York City. Um, so Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's it like paddling through <laughs> Manhattan? It's, uh, that was crazy. It was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, uh, it, uh, like in a general idea, the East Coast is such a populated area. Yeah. But then to arrive in New York, that was something else. And ending up like, bringing up our, our, our kayaks in one of the, like, the main piers in New York City and having the New York Kayak Company like host our boats for like a few weeks so that we can actually hang out there and just vagabond throughout New York was really cool. You know, we felt, again, like absolute rock stars because everyone was helping us out. And, you know, I was talking about a you know, politician, a mayor that we met, but we also met a Kennedy uh, Robert Jr. Kennedy right off the Hudson River and he was just so thrilled with what we were doing. I mean, I don't personally like his politics, but um, it was cool to know that, you know, folks were really interested in what we were doing. Yeah. And, and in such a big city to be kind of noticed was something special as well. Um, New York was great. And then when we left New York City and paddled out, I think we... We, we got the, uh, the tides wrong, and we ended up doing about like four or five kilometers and just ending up on the other side in New Jersey. But that took us like eight hours, four kilometers. So it was just, <laughs> it was such a waste of energy. Right. But on the same time, we did paddle with all this traffic on the water, and we were able to go and check out the Statue of Liberty and just hang out there while all these ferries were just running by us on every side, it was extremely dangerous. I wouldn't necessarily suggest it to, to too many people to do that because that is a sketchy spot. Yeah, man. But, but once we were out, I mean, once we were able to kind of catch the tide and like be pushed onto the Atlantic, um, I mean, that's where the journey, you know, kind of began because everything before that felt kind of like, well, you know what? We're, we're in New York. We're only like five hours or six hours away from home. You know, everything's so accessible. We had friends come and drive and see us in New York City. So at, after that, we were like, okay, when's the next time our friends or right. family is going to come and reach us? So we, we basically uh, cut through uh, uh, New Jersey in, in the beginning of the Intercoastal Waterway. And then we just, we were, we zipped down up until Georgia came out on the coastline in Georgia, basically came back in Jacksonville, went down 
the uh, intercoastal waterway again, and then we took a we took a west passage towards the Gulf of Mexico through the Okeechobee Waterway, which is does that uh, cut Florida? Yeah, in half? yeah, yeah, exactly. It cuts Florida in half, like the the eye of Florida, yeah. um, which is the Okeechobee Lake. Well, we went right through that. Um, so, you know, through alligator infested waters. Yeah. What's that like? It was, <laughs> again, it was so surreal. Um, you know, alligators are so skittish. They're, we generally think of them as being like the massive creatures, but there's, they're actually quite tiny in general. Right. Right. Um, and you know, you'd see them bathe in the sun. Um, but once you get too close, they'll just disappear and you, know, you won't see them again. I mean, a few might try to snap your shoulders, uh, your, snap your elbows a few times, but it never seemed like a, a real, an actual danger. Really? Cool. Yeah. Were and you then, camping? Yeah. Well, I mean, on that coastline, if we weren't housed by folks that we would meet on the beach, people would just, you know, let us camp wherever we wanted. Um, so, yeah. So much of that Eastern seaboard is developed. It's exactly. like, was it hard to find spots? Um, I mean, we were kind of like, you know, like hobos, you know, we were camping in parks, camping on docks. Um, most times if you, you arrive in a marina, um, and you're telling, you tell them what you're doing, they'll be like, okay, you just camp here, you know, camp on this part in this parking lot right there. And most times we had no issues with folk. Um, a few times we were woken up by police. Um, but the police also kind of believed in what we were doing. Right. So before you know it, they were just, they were actually providing us with like extra security. Um, so telling us, Hey, don't worry, you can sleep here. You're safe. You know, we just want to see your ID, make sure that, you know, you guys are not, I don't know, fleeing us. Yeah. (laughs) You know, some, somewhat of a criminal. And, uh, basically the whole time we had such a, such an easy time to find places to sleep. And again, you know, it was easy enough to find a bar because every, every, every about 30 K you have a community. Yeah. So that's about a day's worth of distance for us. End up, uh, end up going to the local pub and, you know, three French guys all talking together in French with all their, uh, their kayaking equipment. And like we had, we had computers and all this video equipment and people were asking questions. And we knew that if we ordered one beer, the server would ask us, what are we doing? And then we would be like, we're actually paddling from Montreal to the Yucatan. <laughs> and that server would be like our, like our, our, our shepherd. She would, <laughs> she would like tell everyone. And then before you know it, someone in that bar Sending was going to send us beers, was going to offer us a place to stay. I think, you know, for the first three weeks of our kayaking expedition, um, you know, every second night, people were offering us the uh, the most classic food, which is pizza. You know, easy. But at some point, we had to tell people we can't eat pizza anymore. Right. You know, we were we're pizzaed up. You know, it's which was funny. I mean, we were we were very fortunate because we cr- we created kind of a a network of people. You know, so from one place to the next, um, people know f- folks Down in the, coast. the upcoming village. Right down the coast, um, in another state sometimes. So we would, 
we would always have someone waiting for us on the beach. And then also with that, I mean, um, we had so much press. We had so much media following our journey. So we also have interviews with journalists off the beach when we arrived, when we left. Um, and it, it made for such a, uh, an, an easy thing for us. All we had to do was paddle and deal with each other. Right. And th- that was the greater challenge. Um, it was three of you, you said? Yeah, we were three. Three ch- like high school friends, right? So we had known each other for a long time. And um, it just so happens that, you know, most of the conflict came from that relationship, just being three very close guys who, um, you know, sometimes didn't see eye to eye in regards to certain things. And, you know, everyone was responsible for how they acted, um, how they were. And sometimes after, you know, I mean, you tell me, how, how long can you paddle and over the course of 15 months and not have conflict yeah, with someone? It's impossible. Right? It's impossible, yeah. Let alone try not having a conflict with your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, um, living with them. But now you're in a circumstance where you're so dependent on your two buddies uh, for food, for camping, for for making sure that you're safe on the water. So there's this like this crazy dynamic that's developed, and you can either um, you can be hysterical sometimes. You can you can you can be so mad, pissed off with each other, and on the same time, you can literally find this this humor, this euphoria, basically of doing this crazy expedition and being absolutely thrilled that you're with your two best friends doing this, this larger than life thing, you know, uh, it was hard to define at first, but when we were doing it, we saw that it was, it, 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 it wasn't like anything we had ever seen before. Right. And it was pretty, pretty insane. Did you film that trip too? Oh man, we filmed so much stuff. Really? Is there a product that people uh, can watch? Unfortunately, so that was one of our objectives, and n- not to say that it's impossible to edit something about like with all the footage, but I think we have like four thousand gigs worth of footage. Holy shit! We were we were so new, and we had numerous cameras, numerous ways of filming, so we were filming everything because we right. didn't know what what to film. Right. So we had this big dream of creating this awesome movie or awesome, you know, series. But it just so happens that when we came home, like some of the sound is shit. Uh, the story kind of jumps all the time. So we were not certain. And then we had like, it was like 79 days to watch the footage, yeah. you know, in its entirety. 24 yeah. 7 it's it's like, yeah, like there's so much there we were actually creating some content as we were progressing so there are a few things on on youtube we were actually creating educational content for students uh for french students throughout canada throughout louisiana because there's a lot of, there's a big french community there um 
and it just so happens that that a lot of that footage was pretty good because there was a story behind it. We were trying to, right. you know, educate on a certain theme or history on a place. If we were in Louisiana, we were talking about the the great uh, the great displacement where all these communities in the in the Maritimes were. Uh, these French communities, yeah, Acadians, were moved. It's crazy and became story. The Cajuns, man. right? The Cajuns, the yeah. Cajuns, yeah. So basically, we said cinq cinq, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 we were we were there. We were at that sign where we were talking. Like there's like these historical markings that that talk about the Great Displacement. And we were there, and we we're like, oh, this is a great opportunity to to talk about something that you know is. Is, has affected our, our our fellow Canadians, you know, our mm-hmm. our Acadian brothers, and why you'll find some Langlois or some Desjardins in, in Louisiana, yeah. right? Like yeah, so, yeah. so it was really interesting. So there was a lot of fascinating stuff that we were able to get footage of, but now about trying to find that common thread and create something that kind of you know attaches everything together, it's difficult. And it just so happened that on this next expedition, I ended up going with someone that was much better than me in not only editing, but like storytelling. And, and that was like the big, right. the big difference uh, between this first expedition or first massive kayak ex- expedition that I did and the second massive kayak expedition. Right, that I did. right. And I'll, I'll stop... I'll stop you there because that's just to kind of fill the listeners in. Yeah, definitely. That's why I wanted to have you on the show because you, was it last 2022, summer 2022? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you yeah. paddled from Lund, BC to Skagway. Yeah, yeah. Um, congratulations on the on the video, man. I just watched episodes one and two. And awesome. It's, it's cool. It's, it, it's well produced um, and it, it's a fun show. So, uh, yeah, I guess that this is the second expedition you're talking about. Yeah, um, maybe start by telling everyone what the where they can find the the show because the show's cool. Yeah, definitely. So if you go on YouTube, um, uh, on on if you search FFS uh, underscore expedition or for fun's sake expedition, you'll find a beautiful beautiful bear on a beautiful beautiful orca and that's our logo so you click on that but you click on subscribe first because we need to monetize that shit (laughs) at some point (laughs) anyways um we want to do this again that's why we're asking that um and so everything's going to be on youtube uh the idea is that we wanted to create a, a series that follows our expedition kind of like a fly on the wall um and we're not taking ourselves too seriously, but there is a lot of interesting content throughout that uh, that series, throughout the series. I liked how, how you guys were so, it's just like, it's almost comical, man. Like, <laughs> you guys are just jokesters. The whole, the whole, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Like the, I don't know if you meant to be funny, but it's funny. Well, I think that we, ha- we you know, I think that uh, Chris, uh, the guy with whom I, I kayak this, uh, the Inside Passage, so the, the West Coast, um, he was just naturally a good storyteller, and he's also very funny, you know, in his own British way. Right, right. <laughs> like a, a a bit sometimes of a dry humor, but it it matched really well with my uh, over the top sometimes very French francophone 
um, Quebec emotional humor, right? And and together, uh, I, I thought that, you know, like I could see it prior to the expedition that we would we would make a great team. And I think that that's what Chris saw as well. And that's why we decided to, you know, go together on this expedition. And uh, yeah, it just made for some pretty neat, funny moments. And also some just, you know, it's always nice to, you know, do a full day of paddling. And then at the end of the day, you know that you're going to have your kick. You know, you're going to have your your fun with your buddy. Yeah. And you're going to laugh about shit that happened, about ideas. Uh, you know, like seeing as we, we come from two very different backgrounds, uh, it was also nice to just, you know, share on a regular basis with him. And I mean, I didn't know this guy that much. So we were also building our relationship throughout our paddling endeavor right right? that's cool and it just goes to show that we were right you know like it was a good matchup you know it was a good a good pair to do this expedition um chris is uh originally from the uk and um he uh he he's been guiding you know he's been he was like in the kilimanjaro yeah he's he's bringing folks to to go up kilimanjaro uh global shenanigans that's a plug for him um, that's his, the name of his company. Right. And he's been kayaking in Sicily. He's brought people, you know, in all places. And when I was guiding with him on the West Coast on Vancouver Island, and that's where we met, um, I could see right away that he was like, he was top dog. Mm-hmm. You know, he was really good at his job. And and he was not only good at his job, but he was a good paddler. And he had a way uh, of of explaining to people like dumbing it down so people uh, can understand, you know, how to paddle, right? which is a great quality. And um, he had already been thinking about paddling the inside passage. And, you know, when you do a, when you're with a bunch of guides and, and you're like, oh yeah, I haven't guided that much, but I did this kayak expedition on the East Coast for 15 <laughs> months, 7,350 kilometers. Everyone kind of like, oh, right. shit, you're this guy's man. serious. You're the man. <laughs> yeah, he's a psycho. <laughs> and it, it just so happens that, uh, well, he already had in mind doing this expedition. And initially he was like, should I do it alone? And here comes this jolly old French guy just yapping around his about his expedition who obviously seemed like not not a bad person to to hang out with, uh, he's like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna do the inside passage? And I'm like, like yeah, you know, like yeah, absolutely, I want to do that. You know, why not? You know, and um, before you know it, we were talking about it at work. We were just building this idea, and that's probably the thing I love the most about expeditions: all that prep work. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun, and also it's exciting because you're you're like building your dream you know you're building the blocks that will permit you to be able to take like to take that first stroke in the water and actually propel yourself towards your objective and that was like that was gold you know every time he'd come at my place i was excited you know like oh we're gonna brainstorm shit we're gonna talk about things and i was i was looking so far in ahead in advance and he was like okay okay calm down (laughs) calm down which was probably right you know, because the pandemic hit, right? And then, we had, yeah, we had, we had to like pause the whole thing. Cause he, is that because he couldn't get even get into Canada? Yeah, 
Well, I mean, that was one thing. Like, he was now in the UK, uh, not like he was working in the UK, but um, not as nearly as much as before. Um, and it just it just so happens um, that you know all these communities. There's not a lot, but there are a few First Nation communities off the coastline, uh, right. and you don't want to be the two white guys coming in on their boats with disease or or anything like that. Kind of, kind of, it's a bit dickish, right? Yeah. And yeah. They, these communities don't have like all the infrastructures that you you you'd want um especially during a pandemic so for us we actually even just communicated with some of these communities and they're like no we're going to close off right uh for safety reasons and there was no there was no fighting it you know if we were going to do this we were going to be um legit approved and we were going to ask permission for where we were staying uh because it's 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 important land you know these these communities have fought for their land for so long now and we were not going to be, be that blister, right? We're not going to be that, those guys. So it just permitted us to get more sponsors, right? You know, waited it, waited it out. And just so happens that between uh, the time that we said yes and the time that we launched, uh, I had a baby. (laughs) So that was another dynamic, but it was, uh, it was still doable. Right, yeah. You convinced your wife to, or your partner to let you go for, <laughs> yeah. what was it, 75 days? Yeah, 72 days. 72 days. Um, Good for her, man. Good for her. Yeah, she's a trooper. Uh, you know, that's another thing. Like, people that do expeditions generally have a life outside of that expedition. Yes. And there's a lot of things you have to deal with. You know, imagine talking to your partner about death. You know, like, what if I die? Because that's a that is a possibility. You try to diminish that possibility, but it's it's always there. It's right. not like I'm just going on a stroll in a park. I am going to be spending 72 days in and bear infested. You, and you forest. guys were in some big seas, man. Like, oh yeah. And you were still. In, I, I was I was kind of plotting along your route on Google Maps as I was watching the video, like just to, so I could figure out where you were. And you're still like you're in big water, but still small water compared to what I think is coming in some of the up, upcoming episodes. And you, you're in, you know, what uh, the waves are like uh, capping and yeah. water coming over the deck. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, that's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny because sometimes you, like there's nothing else you can do than just try to progress. And like you, you white knuckle it and you know, you're yeah. holding your paddle really tightly because you don't want it to be uh, knocked out by a wave or by the wind sometimes. But uh, funny enough, hey, lose I mean, paddle your bone, eh? That yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There was a guy. I'm kind of going off topic here, but I'm from Nova Scotia. Yeah, and there was a guy who died in St. Margaret's Bay, which is it's a it's a big bay, but it's not huge. You know, maybe like ten kilometers, fifteen kilometers across. And he wasn't even trying to cross it. He was just cruising along the shore. But he lost his paddle, mm. and then he was on his cell phone. Man, he like phoned in to nine one one. He's like, "I lost oh, my paddle," man. and it was getting dark, and it was like the end of the summer. It was probably October, and they were like talking to him, like, "You know, you're gonna be okay. We're gonna send out the Cormoran helicopter, or whatever." And then his phone died because you know, not doesn't have enough, doesn't have infinite infinite battery. Oh, that's and so so sad. Yeah, you know, it's as simple as that. All it 
That's all it was. Just lost, yeah. just, you know, just lost the paddle. It blows off or whatever. And next thing you know, he's trying to paddle, but it's his hands. But and you know, just carry an extra paddle, I guess, is the lesson. Definitely. I mean, we always had like all the safety precautions. We had like the spot device. Uh, like I had one, he had one. And in case of an emergency, like we never needed it. But, but man, like those, that's that's unfortunate i mean yeah you know anyway not to be yeah. not to be a bummer of oh, the story <laughs> dang <laughs> i uh, hope andrew's not gonna listen to this podcast <laughs> anyway good for her for letting <laughs> you go well you know it's funny because she had you know she knew me when i was leaving on the uh the 15 month the 50 month kayak expedition right. so she knew she knew a like a bit of what this was like yeah um there is concessions that I did on my uh, West Coast expedition. Um, so my uh, partner's brother was getting uh, married in London, Ontario. So we had figured everything out so that once I got to Prince Rupert, oh, did you fly I out? flew to London, went to a wedding, and then flew right back. <laughs> and then so Chris good. was just there waiting for me for Prince several Rupert. days. Must have been a mind warp. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you'll see it in the videos because we we kind of try to portray it. You know, like, I'm going to go have fun for, for a week. Um, and Chris is just, you know, standing, waiting, you know, just <laughs> anticipating uh, the next stretch, right? But uh, all said and done, it was a condition. And, and I was very happy to be able to go on this kayak expedition so if that was the sacrifice um i'd be willing to do it again right yeah yeah because it's it's already a lot to to be able to leave for 72 days yeah it's a long trip yeah how many kilometers so 1600 k's yeah and you're basically like i was kind of trying to map it as i say it map it out it's crazy how kind of far inland that route goes. Yeah, the inside passage is is pretty crazy. It is really the inside passage because there is the outside passage, which brings you really on the open ocean. like on the Pacific, right? right? But this brings you through like a network of islands and such a great place to see wildlife. Yeah. And also much more covered. Totally, from um, wind. Yeah. But you must have weird currents in there. Very much so. We had spots that were actually quite sketchy because of that. But uh, also like massive channels that uh, if the wind's against you, you're fucked. Yeah, it's just you know? a tunnel. Yeah, exactly. And fortunately, sometimes we had the wind against us, but sometimes we had the wind <laughs> in our backs <laughs> and the currents the in our backs. Yeah, there was... That yeah. footage you're like, he's, I think Andrew, it's 8. Andrew, right? 8.5 to 9.5 yeah, exactly. kilometers. Just, yeah. yeah. Just, like, see the shoreline flying yeah. by. We were going really fast. And kudos to Chris, because he, he timed some stuff, like, perfectly. Because he was uh, really focused on the navigation. Right. And uh, it made for, like, really some smart moves, because we were able to, yeah, reach some pretty high speeds. I remember one day... Um, coming out of a reach to get um to get into the to prince rupert and i think we did in three hours we did like 30 k's and we were like it's lunchtime and we already did our day yeah do we just progress do we do it like we do we do a really big day 
I'm like, yeah, let's let's do this. And we were chased by a storm, and it was just pushing us out. Right. And I don't know. By the end of the day, we did like 50, 51 kilometers. Yeah, amazing. Um, and you know, exhausted. You know, completely extinguished. But we knew that the day after that, we were in Prince Rupert. Right. So we could hang out. You know, and take a moment to to relax and drink a beer, or drink several. You know, just <laughs> you know, hang out basically. No. Tell me about the uh I don't want to spoil too much of the show, but I gotta ask you about the whale. Oh yeah. What did it feel like? Oh man. So uh I, I, Yeah, no, we, no, no. We, we should we should we should give the listeners the context. You had a whale touch your boat. Like yeah. swimming under your boat and hit your boat. Yeah, so I had a killer whale. Yeah, not just a regular whale. Come and nudge me. Um Basically, we were looking at a uh, a pod in front of us of orcas. Uh, this was right beside Telegraph Cove, and they were they were making their way out of this little sound. And we were just like, you know, thrilled. This was the first pod of orcas that we were looking at, so we were focused. the The water was perfectly calm, and we all we both had our cameras out just trying to get the footage that we wanted to share with everyone. And it just so happens, as I'm filming, I feel this something rock my boat. And I almost literally fall in the water because I'm holding my cameras. I don't have my paddle in my hands. Um, and Chris is like, at this point, he's wondering, like, what the hell? Like, How are you about to fall in absolutely calm water? And I'm like, oh, shit shit there's a there's an orca there's an orca under my boat you guys were remarkably calm i would be losing my shit man <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that video where the kayaker ended up in the whale's mouth like that's yeah. all I, that's all i uh, can think about i mean that's a that's like a f- freak event you know like yeah, that, that's a freak event that would i mean getting nudged by an orca would never happen i guess but like i feel like you know orcas killer whales um you know, first they've only actually attacked yeah, it's pretty humans rare. in captivity. Uh, out in nature, they like if they land on you after breaching, that's not attacking you. That's just you know another freak accident where you just ended up underneath them. But it's very very uh, unlikely that they'll attack us. But they are curious creatures. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, they'll see their surroundings. They'll wonder what that is. What is this boat or what is, this, you know, raft that we're on? And then they'll come and check us out. And while we're looking at this pod, so this boat that comes and rocks me literally surfaces three meters beside us. And Chris's reaction is perfect. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and just so happens that we're like, oh my God. That's the euphoria that kicks in. You're just like absolutely thrilled. Like, wow, what did, what just happened? You, you like adrenaline is pumping for yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, scared might be a little part of it, but I think it was more like, man, does this, does this actually happen? Like, did this happen? Am I just like, yeah. Did I just go crazy for a second? And all you can think of after filming all those orca 
is like, okay, I can't wait to camp so that I can look at this footage and, (laughs) and see this again and again and again and again. Right. Yeah. And, um, just so happens. I mean, it wasn't like we guided on that coastline. Um, so about at that point, everything after was pretty new. Right. But there you guided. Well, a little prior to that, a little prior to Telegraph Cove, but we had been in that area and, um, just it, you know, we were happy to know, like, it's, it's like when you're guiding folks and you're like, Oh, we are probably going to see an orca. You can't really guarantee that you're going to see one though. Right. And then again, will you have time to take out your camera to take a picture? Not sure. You know, like all those things that you tell clients when you're guiding them, right? Um, it's a risk, but we're telling ourselves the same information. We're, we're going to see them. We're going to see, and you know, oh, it's been a week and we haven't seen them. And the folks that we guided, they were coming on four-day trips, you know? So it happens sometimes you don't see them. It could have happened. Right. But then it then it definitely, definitely happened. happened, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we saw them and not just saw them. We had a spectacle, you know? And, and this, else. this orca was like, he was a bull, you know? He was a big, big, yeah. big guy. Yeah. I saw an orca once in Nova Scotia. Oh shit! Yeah, and when people tell when I tell people that they they're like, "What the hell?" Like I thought they only lived in the West Coast. No, there's orcas all over yeah. the place. I, yeah, and I when I saw it, I I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, orcas? Like orcas only live in BC? But I was like looking at an orca. You know, I was up on kind of a cliff looking down at it, and it was just cruising the shore. There's only one. And it was like obviously an orc, and I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah. And then I, I was so, like, stunned by it. I then wrote an email to this guy named Hal Forbes, who's like the whale biologist at Dalhousie University. And I was like, Hal, who I kind of loosely knew. I was like, Hal, I, I think I saw an orca. Like, what do you make of this? <laughs> he's like, Yeah, you know, there's like a, a pretty big population in Iceland and yeah. like in Labrador. And he's like, Halifax, it was right outside of Halifax where I saw it. He's like, that would be the, the extreme southern end of the range. Yeah. And I had no idea. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. And I mean, like, I think it, it was in Montreal during the pandemic. There's a, uh, I think a calf humpback that came in the old port. I remember this old one. port. It, it was news. This, this was, is, yeah, you don't see whales that far inland on the St. Lawrence River, but it was there. Unfortunately, the whale did die hit probably by, by a ship boat. Or something, yeah. I mean, which is really unfortunate. But like these animals, like these creatures are wild. Yeah. So predicting them is very difficult. You can you can try and you can have some pretty good guess, but most times we we just don't know. Was that was that orca telling me to fuck off when it hump like it bumped my boat was it telling me hello i'm here you know welcome to my world yeah. you know was it you know was it telling was did it just mistakenly hit me and then turn back on when it did you know it's it'll be we'll never know right no, no. and and you you mentioned like were you scared or was it dangerous i mean it is it's a wild creature 
Was I worried? Not so much. Because I've been kind of used to being fairly close proximity with these creatures. Yeah. Um, not so much trying to get close. Sometimes they will come close to you. Um, you know, there's all these guidelines and rules and regulations uh, about keeping your distance from these creatures, which is a good idea. You know, you, you should do that. If for some reason you're looking at them from the respectful distance, I think it's like 200 meters, and one just so happens to come on your path yeah. while you're not moving at all, it's a different story. Right. Um, and I'm not in a motorboat, so it's not like I can just... Yeah, you can't just get out of there. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that was like surreal. But like, there's a, a few... So that was episode... Two. Two. I watched, two, I watched one, two, and part of three. Yeah. Episode four is pretty sick as well. Is that out yet? No, eh? No. They're, they're coming. Yeah, it's coming out tomorrow, March 29th? Are oh. we? March 29th, 2023? Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. So um, we uh, will have uh, quite the spectacle with humpback whales. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk too much go check out episode go four. check it out this will go. come this will come out after yeah tomorrow, exactly right so it'll, it'll be out timeless when, yeah it'll be just out, go but... watch the whole series it'll be out <laughs> by the time you listen to this um cool were, were you, are you doing the editing or oh both no of you? no actually so chris is doing all the editing he's also adding some narration um we were really good about trying to capture the appropriate footage, so not too so you much. Don't have how many mega- four thousand gigs, gigs worth of yeah. worth of stuff? Exactly. I think that I had told Chris like this is why we didn't create content or as much content on our last expedition is that we had too much. But Chris was already kind of knowledgeable about this stuff because he had been editing small videos in the past and also like kind of um, you know guide guiding touring you know like feel good videos and and it. It just so happens that every night we were watching our footage, you know, for entertainment. You know, we were not so cautious about battery life because we knew certain places where we could get some, right. you know, some power. And also we knew that um, we had, you know, enough batteries to last a certain amount of time. And it was also so valuable for our morale right. to be able to look back at what we were doing it's, and be like, okay, what, what can we get? You know, like what, what other footage? And Chris had a, a drone on him. Yeah. The drone footage is amazing. It's, it's incredible. And he, he literally had that drone between his legs in the cockpit for 72 days. <laughs> you know, like he did not, he always had it accessible right so we got we had the right footage we had like a a very clear way a clear line on how we were going to present this and then chris with his magic editing you know um it was like seven months ago that we did this expedition yeah six months ton of work i bet yeah he's yeah he's been working a lot um a lot on it and and it shows you know like um it's fun to watch the footage that I had like on my cameras or my GoPro. I all gave it, I gave it to him. So I don't have SD cards at home with all the footage. Right. I don't have my hard drive with all the footage. 
So as this, this is coming out, I'm kind of also living that experience of watching this for the first time. So this is exactly what's happening with the the film that's coming out, or is now half done with the northern with the uh, northern scavenger. Yeah, like, I mean those guys filmed it. I I didn't play any part in the editing, and the episodes come out every Wednesday, and it, like I'm seeing them along with everybody else. That's see, I it's mean, so cool. It's like such a nice. I think so, and like if you're like if you're um, if your team is well built. Everyone has a role. Um, it's important that some roles are shared, like filming. We both were share, like sharing that responsibility. But you know, Chris would do the dishes. I would make supper. You know, right. I would, I would make the meals. He would do the dishes. Shared responsibility. Sure. Um, and it was always, you know, well, it was under my impression that he was always a better communicator. So like social media, he could, he could create some very interesting content. He can like pick and choose throughout our, our videos and put the right music and put the right, right words with it. Right. So I was just, you know, happy to give that away. Sometimes I wanted to be there and kind of like look over his shoulder and, you know, like, Oh, you could probably do this. You could, but what's the point? I, I, I believe what he can do and and it just goes to show that you know i was right no like he he was he's really good at his job like and and it makes for some great great storytelling you know yeah it was fun well i congratulate you guys on it it's it's a so far i'm enjoying it well i'm I'm, subscribed i'm gonna watch the season man yeah Um, yeah so yeah it's cool it's uh, you know i'm like it's funny how like YouTube feeds you the algorithms. So like I like subscribe to a couple like canoe, you know, like I don't know if you know who some of these guys are, but like Justin Barbour and Jim Baird and like Northern they're all kinda like in like the backcountry canoe thing, like doing big trips in the Canadian north. Most it's kinda their what they do. <laughs> but then I just get fed like bushcraft yeah. <laughs> videos. So it was like it was really refreshing to watch like you know, I don't get fed kayaking videos. Yeah. It's refreshing to watch nice you guys do something different. And um I grew up out east and like I live up here now and uh I don't know anything about the West Coast. So it's it's also cool just to like it's, it's different, man. You know, like just all the all these like channels and the tides you're dealing with, like that you were like having to go through those those like narrows at slack tide and Yeah. You know, like the East Coast is you know, I mean, you've paddled it. You know what it's like. It's kind of like just one big coast. It doesn't have all these like arms and like deep, deep, deep inlets. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're definitely right. It's not, it's not at all the same. It is pretty beautiful though. It's funny because um, uh, uh, a friend of mine, his name is Martin Trahan. He's a, I mean, Quebec standards. He's a pretty famous canoeer, actually. Um, he's done some crazy expeditions and he was, uh, funny enough, kind of talking about doing somewhat the same expedition, uh, in a canoe. Oh, really? Uh, on the West coast and the inside passage, but it's, it's a whole different ball game in a canoe. Um, especially just watching these videos of the waves coming right over the deck. Yeah. And I mean, maybe one day he'll do it and that will be a feat because like there are some sections that you if you get your tides wrong, 
you like you're gonna get washed away you know and yeah. pretty quick too isn't there a race from like oregon yeah the uh the race to alaska yeah what's the deal with that so there's a race that goes from i think like washington to yeah. ketchikan in alaska and um people like people do that in all sorts of different crafts yeah it's so funny because we actually showed up in ketchikan and it just so happens that the race was on so we arrived we showed up in ketchikan the first community in alaska after crossing the border where we have to actually go through customs right and people think that we're part of this race but we're not you know like we're just paddling our own selves and uh yeah hey by the way folks from race to alaska pick up your garbage don't leave your garbage behind we we found the garbage and we picked it up for you brutal yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a common thing. Or like if you're taking a dump, go close to the sea, bring your toilet paper with you or burn it. You know, just don't leave it there. We found it. We found someone that shat on the beach. Oh, brutal. <laughs> What's that race has like basic rules? Human powered, isn't that the idea? Exactly. Yeah. And anything human powered goes. Yeah, you but it could be a sail as or well. Or sail. So, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and I know a few people that have done it in the past. And you know, some of the you know, one year I think uh must have been like anywhere like twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, a guy did it in a paddleboard and won. Yeah, I remember hearing about this. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy. It's like I had, um, oh, what was his name? He's the organizer of River Quest. You know what River Quest oh, yeah, is? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the race from Whitehorse, yeah. Whitehorse to Dawson. And uh, 750 kilometers or so. People do it in like 50 hours. Yeah. They're like animals. But paddleboarders are now like doing this race. Which I can't, man, stand, just standing. I couldn't stand in my living yeah. room for 50 hours. I, I, I like it. I like going fast, but I like I like going easy too, you know. I, I, I like taking a drink at the end of the day and just relaxing and sitting down, you know. like I mean, that's why I kayak, I guess. But like the idea, like the races, there's something that appeals me. Yeah. But on the same time, if I'm going to take that time off to do a, that type of stuff, I'd probably just want to chill, chill out, you know. Yeah. Like, but I mean, if someone was to come up to me and say, "Hey, do you want to, do you want to do this race?" I'd probably say yes. Yeah, I could be easily lured into yes, it. Yes, definitely. I, I agree I, with you. It's like a torturous, it's yeah. like a form of torture. But I could be lured into it. Absolutely, because I, I, I'm a sucker for that stuff, man. Our um, one of uh, another person uh, that that I was very fortunate to meet in my uh, kayaking and expedition experience is uh, a lady named Mylène Paquette, who uh, is the first uh, woman to cross the Atlantic, uh, actually first American, not just woman, first American person to cross the Atlantic solo on the north side and in a rowboat. She, what do you she, mean on the north? Like, like so from, so I think it was like Labrador to... to uh, to France, yeah, um, via Greenland or Iceland and things. Well, she didn't actually touch them. She she went she right just through went. the north side, but it's an like angry it was, ocean up there yeah. too. And uh, we were fortunate on my my uh, East Coast expedition to do this race. But um, where was I going on with this? She, she uh... huh? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> if you think of it, let me know because it was actually it. 
was one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, um, you've done all these like major expeditions which follow the coast. Do you have any interest in these open ocean? That's where I was going at. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's a good <laughs> is is that something you want to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, that's a bit like a race. So if I was, I would probably never do it on a solo adventure. No. Uh, I think my mind would eat my mind. Yeah, you know, like man, I would. Crossings freak you yeah, out. It, it's it's a scary thing, and I'm I'm way too much of a social creature to to um, to lack that for three months. But if like let's say Milan was to ask me and some buddies or some people in the expedition world, would you cross the Atlantic in a team? I I probably say yes. Man, that would be such a crazy. Yeah. It's such a big ocean in yeah. such a little Scary. boat. Gary. Holy shit, it would freak me out. Yeah, it would freak sure. me out doing a three, four kilometer crossing. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, that would be like, like a, it'd take me a long time to prepare for something like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if I had the opportunity, if someone was to invite me, yeah, yeah. for sure. You yeah. know what? Like, why not? Um, it's just something else I can check off my to-do list and another How do story. Sleep. Uh, I think that they have like these little cabins and like small, very narrow places to sleep. Like down by your feet, you like curl up down by your feet. Well, there's a whole back section generally that's covered. These are bit. These boats must be bigger than they're your bigger. average kayak. Yeah, they're very light. They're very very light, so you can have like a bigger. Uh, bigger boat and still have the capacity to move it forward right but in a there are some that are a little bigger like if you can be four people rowing at a time uh, or three and then one switches out to go sleep yeah. and you're always kind of switching out so you uh, you accelerate the process of, of crossing of course so it's a it's much shorter and probably much safer although it's still a huge risk right um interesting yeah. Have you um, heard about the Inuit kayak in Aberdeen? No, I, no, I haven't. So you can picture Aberdeen on a map. Yeah, yeah. Like north eastern Scotland. Yeah. In the University of Aberdeen um, Museum, they have a 18-foot-long seal-skin kayak. <laughs> that, a court, if you read the museum's notes, um, was paddled there by an Inuit guy in the early 1700s and he died like a day or two they like people found him on on the beach he like came ashore but he was in rough shape oh my god and he died people were like trying to figure out his story but he died to one or two days after arriving in scotland and they still have his paddle and his kayak in the university of aberdeen legend legend so this guy there's like there's some doubt as to whether or not he actually paddled from Labrador or Greenland. The like the other theory is that he was captured by whalers with his kayak and then he like escaped them somehow closer to Scotland and huh. and came down. But I want to believe that he paddled. Oh man. yeah. That first story is the mu- <laughs> like is much better. Yeah. I mean But so that was like 320 years ago. And the Polynesians were sailing thousands of kilometers in boats, like not much bigger, if any bigger. Wow. Like, 
you know, you have to think it's possible that I I think so. I mean, eighteen foot long, with his type of knowledge, uh, kayak. I mean, he could he could have loads of dried up meat in there. Um, yeah, it, it was apparently colder then too, so it was the mini ice age. Yeah, not that the ocean would have been frozen, but you may have been able to, like, as you would know, the, it's actually a lot safer to be in an area that is like mixed ocean and ice because the ice damp, damp, you, yeah. dampens the swell and you can work in behind yeah. ice sheets and things. And also get, you can get off, pull the boat up onto a piece On of ice, ice, take a break, and like your legs. maybe try to kill a seal, Yeah, you know. Run away from the polar bears. Um, I mean, yeah. and also like if you died two days from the coast... Suggests you he would have like those are the most dangerous areas uh, close to coastlines where right. you have huge breaks and that's where generally you yeah. die because even in open ocean I mean the swell can be extremely dangerous right, but if it's drawn out exactly. long period it doesn't matter right. exactly so it's that like obviously there's so much risk there but the risk is trying to land yeah you know like that beach or that rock yeah cliff or <laughs> that's gonna stop you in your tracks yeah and you have the whole power of the ocean behind you um yeah and yeah the, yeah so growing when i was like my grip around kayaks that we always that it's true it's like breaking through the surf or coming back in to the beach <laughs> if you're gonna get in any trouble that's where, where you is. get hurt usually yeah but uh did you damn. what type what was the craziest water condition you got into on your trip um so i don't know there were some sections that the swell was um you know had breaking waves but it was never like never too bad at some point we were in a storm right and and water was like reflecting off the cliffs and and hitting us in all directions weird directions Yeah. yeah and not only that but sometimes we had sections where there wasn't anywhere to stop you know you had to progress and and it just made for like an exhausting day um where you where you just you know didn't know because you're dealing with cliff sheer cliff wall exactly there's no way of getting out um unless you might damage your boat and then you're really fucked yeah yeah that's an unnerving feeling yeah yeah and that those were scary times um i mean besides that like kelsey bay uh had some pretty big swell and pretty like gnarly waters but like in a general sense i mean all those sections where there was like an opening towards the ocean so like uh suddenly you have these massive inlets and you have just the pacific kind of like rushing in right there was some scary times but i can't really pinpoint a specific moment it was all kind of like a a blur together what was where right like and seeing as i'm still anticipating these videos oh oh, yeah and that mckay reach oh yeah that spot was pretty sketchy but uh but i think that you know between the two of us it was more about like you know we had each other's backs you know like we were there for each other Uh, a few times where we knew that okay if somebody falls here there's nothing we can do. You know, like, you can't go and rescue in these types of waters. Right. So that's when you white-knuckle it. And you're like, okay, I'm getting I'm getting out of this. Right. I'm going to progress. And I, I know that it's only dependent on myself. Like, 
and Chris was the better paddler. Uh, I was just, you know, just trying to make sure that I followed, you know, like I'm right. just, you know, survival mode. I'm going to survive this. Um, but it's more about like not losing too much of your cool. Although sometimes you kind of, kind of, yeah, you can be scared, you know, right. like water is dangerous. Um, but like, fortunately we went around Cape Caution and, and we had timed it so well that it was pretty still, you know, like, is is this is this it you know like is <laughs> right. what's what's going on you know um we were good about you know prepping ourselves and making sure that we were not leaving at a dangerous window right so that was pretty cool yeah yeah make him in the sun shines yeah yeah although <laughs> the wet coast so there's <laughs> never like the first little section there was quite a bit of sunshine but yeah, at some point yeah, we just... were watching it last night we're like man these guys have nice weather yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, like, that doesn't last eh? discovery islands on uh, like off the off vancouver island like just beautiful like absolutely phenomenal weather you just it it felt like summer in mid-may in may yeah um, but once we passed like Kelsey Bay, Sayward, coming up North Island and then crossing over, it got wet quick. And right. then it was wet and then wet. And then some point it was just like, okay, man, I'm going to live in my dry suit for, <laughs> for 72 days, uh, which was fine. You know, the truth is I'd much rather paddle in like a, maybe a wet weather than like a scorching sun yeah um because i did that before in mexico and that sucked because you can't undress you can't no. dress down because you will burn you will die yeah know? yeah that yeah when you were paddling to the yucatan you must the sun must be beaten on you it it sucked and we arrived exactly during summertime in Tamaulipas, in the desert, you know, like <laughs> it's, it sucks. And then you're like, oh, I'll go take a swim in the sea. It's refreshing. It's not refreshing. Yeah. It's, it's salt. It's salt water. Uh, it's, and then it's sand. So you're just like, camping on everything's sand, yeah. irritating, you know, like there's no escaping it, right? Like then you have the gnats, like the little noceums and flies yeah. that like eat you up. So you're just constantly irritated, you know. Just, you were missing the kingpin. <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. We got a few uh, down the down the coast, but yeah. How'd you get into this, man? Like, I guess uh, you know pe people are kayaking in Quebec. You're from Quebec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How'd, how'd you get into this? I don't know. I I feel like it was a mix of things. You know, I was lucky enough to have a a dad that brought you know me and my siblings camping. Um, put us in scouts as as kids. I really enjoyed it. There was something like uh, you know winter camping that I love. You know, like the adventurous side of it, and also television. You know, like watching Indiana Jones being adventurous. I always thought that was pretty neat. You know, like there's something about just being out there. You yeah. know, if I was gonna travel to a community in Quebec, I was gonna hitchhike. Right. You know, I was going to I was going to camp anywhere that I thought was OK. And it kind of speaks to my privilege. Right. Like this white guy just deciding he can camp anywhere. And and like I definitely took advantage of that aspect. Right. Where I could just leave and feel like I could go anywhere. 
And I did that through Latin America. Um, I mean, I went to like places and did, did some expeditions like in Huaraz, uh, in the in the white um, Andean, Andean mountains. Uh, you know, did did quite a bit of rock climbing once upon a time. Um, and there was just such a passion for it uh, and the travel that at some point I'm like, I'm going to study this. I'm going to go to university and study leadership development and, and using the outdoors as a, as a general tool to uh, either, you know, help people, help kids, uh, you know, bring clients kayaking, canoeing, skiing expeditions and, um, or, or, you know, manage projects that are in the wilderness and the outdoors. And throughout this program that I was studying, uh, we were brought to do expeditions that were pretty big, you know, like uh, we did a month-long canoe expedition on the Nastapoka River in, in the Nunavik, so in northern Quebec, yeah. um, which is an absolutely phenomenal river with some pretty pretty intense rapids. Um, so that was one expedition. I went on the Zumuan River, did a canoe expedition there, um, you know, did some kayaking in the fjord, St. Lawrence, uh, the... Um, Saguenay. Saguenay Fjord, um, you know, loads of biking trips, um, out, like we went in the Groove Mountains, uh, for, uh, some off trail skiing trips. Yeah. Um, and I just absolutely adored it. This so was all school. Yeah. Man. Sweet um, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, yeah, very fortunate. And like, and my teachers were legends, you know, like in their own respect, they had all like these different expertise but they are they were all just phenomenally good at what they did uh whether it was mountain climbing what whether it was canoeing kayaking rock climbing like everything they were great at and they were great teachers and um it just so happens that that's where i kind of you know thought of this new expedition on the east coast going from montreal initially it was like montreal to panama you know and then i'm like I'm going to talk with my buddies and ask them if they want to do this trip with me. Because prior to that, I, I went on a, with two same guys on a biking trip uh, through Canada and uh, ended up like stopping, stopping in Brandon. I started in Kelowna, objective Montreal, stopped in Brandon because I got super sick. I got beaver fever. And from drinking the water? Yeah, drinking. I drank the water. <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid and got poisoned. And uh, ended up, you know you know, realizing that I wasn't well organized enough, but I loved it so much. That yeah. sense of adventure, freedom. Um, and then came the end of my university program. And I'm like, I need something big. You know, I need to think of something out of this world. And then I was like, okay, how far could I kayak on the East coast? And I'm like, okay, I could go to Panama. And then I talked to my buddies and they like jump in, you know, like they, they they're part of this bigger big like the biggest project that they've ever heard about and they yeah they just love it you know like they had like my buddy julian who was the last person to embark in our team uh was really like skeptical at first but i had an answer you know like i had i had the truth you know like <laughs> something about me trying to convince him he, he was convinced and he was like okay well we got the got to get this going and we're going to do this and ended up succeeding, you know, like, and, but that was like three years of prep, uh, you know, 
getting the funds like available like you got to save up a lot of money you got to do some crowdfunding you got to get your sponsors you got to get your boats you got to figure out where you're going to be uh you know like it's a huge endeavor for sure so it was, it was a mix of things that like motivated me towards this world but i think it was just like that you know that that belonging you know like to feel like there's something's like those stories that you can catch yeah you know like i'm i'm not gonna be a bystander i'm not i'm gonna definitely in my life i i owe it to everyone to like support them within their storylines and their own adventures but i definitely wanted to have one of the like some of the biggest adventures um and also you know like i have a son now and like maybe one day he'll have kids of his own and you know that that whole idea of being able to recount these stories to your kids to your grandkids to your family your friends and and you know there's some shit that i don't remember you know like a lot of things i do not recall but they just sometimes appear yeah they just surface yeah bubble to the surface man exactly and it and it and those moments are are really special to me because it's like I kind of chuckle to myself, you know, like <laughs> right. there's a moment where I'm, I have right now, I have three buddies that know exactly what I'm talking about. And generally everyone that's been on an expedition or on an adventure, they, they understand what I'm talking about Yes, because they just like, it just surfaces. And then you're content. You're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm living a good life. You know, yeah. I'm, I was lucky enough to be able to do all these things. And uh, people, you know, people are are fun to meet. You know, they're, they're the camaraderie, the 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 love that you share, the just that like the, the the shared passion. You know, there's nothing like drinking a beer after a day of kayaking or paddling or or biking and being like, yeah, you know, like this is this is amazing. Like that <laughs> passes overcooked. That sauce is burnt at the bottom. But man, this dish tastes good. You know, yeah. you just put some hot sauce and some Parmesan cheese and, and you're like, this is, is, wow, we're eating so well tonight. You know, like, and then you just, yeah, you just kind of hang out there middle of nowhere and you're like, this is the dream, you know? Yeah. And you don't have a, you don't have an, extra thing that you don't need i love the feeling of looking at your canoe or your kayak and like everything you need is my life in there yeah Yeah, you kind of feel like a turtle you know you're carrying your home on your back yeah it's cool what's the feeling i'm just curious as as you were telling me your route on the 15 month trip you've been heading south for i don't know how long and then you cross Florida and suddenly you turn north again. Yeah. What's that feel like? It's pretty that was pretty surreal. Felt like we were you know, I think that there was moments where we were like, Oh, should we just go towards the keys and just try to cross over? Um, when you were telling me your route the other day, I was like, Did you I, was, I almost asked you, I was like, Did you flirt with that idea? Oh yeah, we did. Um like oh Cuba's not that far. Yeah, but this is this would be a route that like countless people have succeeded but also died doing going the going the other way absolutely cuba north but um you know the funny thing is that i think that there was 
you know, some some very interesting parts still left to be discovered, and that would have cut the trip almost in half. Yeah, it's a huge, you know, yeah. going around the, the Gulf is yeah. it's a huge body of water, man. And we had been in such like populated areas for like at this point, I think it was like seven months. Yeah, the Panhandle's kind of sparsely populated. Exactly. So it was just like, oh, it's going to be a little change. Were you just camping on the beach? Camping on the beach. Um, yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> in the bay- like the bayous once we were in Louisiana. Um, yeah, what's that shoreline like? Is it kind of just like mucky? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Uh, mangroves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, mangroves. That's like a tough environment to find a campsite. Yeah. Although, I mean, but it is, again, habited enough Right. That you'll find some spots. And then with all the local knowledge, everyone kind of will tell you where to go. Right. And so you can trust in, in the boaters, right? Like they they generally want to help you out, especially if you're kind of doing something similar to them, but putting a lot more like hardship on yourself. So they yeah. want to support you. <laughs> of course. And, and like, I mean, yeah, we were we were able to still you know, live the life of rock stars going up on the North shore or on the, on the panhandle going North. And, um, yeah, I, like, I mean, the States is a weird place, you know? And once you get in, in the panhandle, uh, and then the Bible belt, you know, yeah. uh, Mississippi, Alabama or Alabama, Mississippi, you got some, you got some sketchy places. Um, but on the same time, you're off the coast, so it's mostly it's mostly pretty nice, you know. Like, um, you got some very rich ass folk that live on the coast, and yeah. they want you to be their next story, right? Like, they want to invite you in so that they can show and tell their friends about these three kayakers that come from all over Quebec, you know. Like, <laughs> right. So. We were we were treated really well. I mean, a big difference between the states and Mexico is that in the states, um, everyone was very like everyone was generous. Generous either side of that border. Right. Um, in the states, people will bring you in, and then they'll keep you there. You know, like right. you'll be you'll be theirs for a while. You know. Right. Right. Uh, whilst in Mexico, you showed up in a community. Before you know it, you have like seventy-five people that you're meeting, or a hundred people, <laughs> and the day that you're going out, there is like just the whole community coming in to like see you off, right? So it's a different dynamic, right. um, and we enjoyed both, you know, to tell you the truth. Uh, definitely more comfort uh, in the states, but there was like like that that latin vibe on, yeah, on yeah the, of course in mexico and just like the warmth there was 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 pretty amazing and where did you end uh in a community called rio lagartos yeah, and what what's the significance of this place so it wasn't cancun <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it, it just so happens that rio lagartos is a- absolutely phenomenally beautiful um and it's it prides itself in being like this small beautiful fishing community that has had a tourism boom uh, because of places like Cancun, which is like an hour drive away or 45 minute drive away. Right. So you have people coming in, seeing the pink, the pink sands and the flamingos and the crocodiles and the alligators. So it's kind of like a, a, a beautiful 
beautiful area uh, with a few hotels, loads of fishermen, some great food. And, and just like for anyone that wants to go and, you know, bathe in the sun, but are kind of camping. uninterested by like the Cancun resort and hotels, right. Rio Lagartos is a great spot because it offers you all the comforts, but without the massive crowds. Right. Um, slow pace, but still fun you know just absolutely phenomenal uh, it's funny uh my buddy oliver was over last night and i was telling him about how you were going to come on and about your trip and i was like yeah they ended like near cancun but it wasn't Cancun. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that was and you know what when we arrived there we were glad we didn't choose cancun because we were we were glad to like this is it guys we're done you know like it's over. What's yeah. that? Fifth, like, you know, I feel kind of bummed and I go for like a two week canoe trip and I come back to society and I'm like, yeah. oh shit, what's a 15 month trip like and oh, coming man. back to, you know, everything else you got to deal with? Yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. I mean, you know, you, you go through a lot of emotion because you're, you're so happy to be done like you've achieved the goal you've been looking forward to for 15 months yeah you're so happy that's fleeting that that's fleeting so fleeting and then before you know it you're looking for a job yeah and then you're like is that already done you know like yeah is that over and then you can like i remember being really depressed you know having almost a year you know where i I was, was kind of lost, you know, unhappy. And, you know, obviously your relationship with your buddies takes a strain, right? Like, and you doubt, like, if, will that relationship ever be the same? You know, will you be able to, like, be with your friends and have, like, that rich, you know, rich exchange? And you, you kind of you fall into your mind. And that's kind of what depression does. Right. And... You know, those blues after the expedition were real. Those, there's some hard times, but on the same time, you're like, you're also giving conferences. You're talking about the expedition. You're sharing all the awesome things that you were able to see, to, to experience. But on the same time, you're like, but I'm not doing that anymore right now. I'm here with you trying to explain right. that sentiment that I had. Right. And the truth is, it's really difficult, you know you're extremely happy yet very morose and very gloom about the fact that it's all over yeah you know so what happens you start thinking like what what's next yes what's my next project and that's probably what saved me you know like in you know in the sense where you want to you want to kind of continue this 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 adventure this life and whether might have taken like six, five years after to do another expedition, but the thought of it, like the idea that I can, I can just start organizing my next one, and whether my partner might not enjoy that idea that I leave again, I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going on another 15 month long expedition. It can be a lot shorter, but just as technical or just as fun. Um, and then again, you just start. You know, feeling like, okay, there's a purpose. There's there's an objective. And that kind of fills you up, right? Yeah. And 
but it was so difficult, you know, just, it was, it was, uh, yeah, just hard being in the city as well. Like I love Montreal, but like being back there, it was just like, oh man, this pace is, it's different. And you know, while you're gone for 50 months, people move on, you know, like they, they, they love to follow you, but they have their own lives and their own shit. And you come back and then you're like, you're trying to grasp, but you're like, I don't, I'm not here anymore, you know? Like, right, right. And no one in town can relate to no, what you just did. Except for the two guys with whom you might have a bit of a, a more difficult relationship now. Um, today, I'm really happy to know that my, me and my buddies are, 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 are strong and we talk sometimes about other expeditions, but we were also at different places in our lives. You know, all of us have kids on that side yeah. like, uh, from Montreal. Um, so will there ever be another expedition? Not certain. You know, it's not a, it's not a sure thing. I mean, maybe, and I'm sure that everyone's open to it, but it's also like dependent on relationships, on kids and where they're at, you know, whether they want to leave their job potentially, whether their job would give them leave to do it. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, it's kind of a, a different dynamic. With Chris, though, I mean, we were, like, already kind of thinking of our next Yeah, I was going to ask you, what's the next bus? Well, you know, it's funny because you were... To, we, to, no, no, it's fine. You're I about mean, to tell, this, like, oh, shit, <laughs> the paddling you know, community of Canada We talked here. about so many things. You know, initially it was like, ah, oh, let's let's go uh, do the med- Mediterranean. Let, let's, let's go in Europe and figure something out do there. You know what, do you know what I think is cool about you is you... You like love doing expeditions in places where there's tons of people. Oh yeah, I love like yeah. so many of the people I have on the show are like wilderness paddlers, and like the whole thing is I don't want to see anyone for a month. <laughs> I love that you're like, no, I'm just gonna paddle the eastern seaboard or the Med or wherever. <laughs> it's cool, man. I mean, I'm not scared of bumming it out, you know, looking like a bum, smelling like a bum, and like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love, I love to, you know, I and, love to and, meet people. Yeah, so. in many ways, it's great, you know, yeah. you get to eat food. Drink beer and meet yeah, people. And exactly. Like, <laughs> and just whenever you're done, you you just continue on. Sounds better than dehydrated chili for like weeks <laughs> on end. Yeah. Uh, anyway, med on the op, med's uh, on the plate. There's Mediterranean. We talked about Japan. We talked oh, about. Cool. We talked about uh, the west coast of Mexico. We talked about uh, here on Great Slave Lake. Um, and the other day, I don't know. He just said, "Let's let's do Belize." I'm like, "You're like, no, I've been there." Sure, sure. I mean, like, why not? I'm like, I think it was like I I mentioned to him like, "Oh man, it'll be difficult to top the wildlife that we saw on the west coast. Where could we go that has insane wildlife? You know, like something that people will love to see." And he's like, "Well, there's a massive coral reef in the Belize." And I'm like, I'd, you know, let's, right. let's do that. And it's not a huge coastline, but if you no. like loop it or something like that, you can have at least a few weeks yeah. of paddling, which is probably good for my relationship. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you know what? Fuck let's, it. Let's do it. Basically part two, you're just piecing your way down the eastern, like that's Belize borders up to the to the it's close enough i i almost mentioned it to him like hey we could start off in real lagartos you know like (laughs) just keep going next thing you'll know you'll be down in ushuaia or something yeah you know like 
what I do, like what I hope to be in regards to the expedition world is kind of like a Forrest Gump, you know, in right. the storyline, just being there and having the chance to see people do some pretty fucking crazy shit and being able to being to be there and do the crazy shit with those people without really like acknowledging what I'm necessarily doing, but like just being there, you know, like, Oh yeah, I did that kayaking trip with my two insane buddies. Oh yeah. I did that kayaking trip with that British guy who's now like, uh, I'm sure he's going to be a fucking famous guide at some point, you know? So I'm just, I'm just super glad to be part of the ride, you know? Right. And, um, let let the let the let the the dice fall where they may and belize is in the next spot and I'm, I'm i'm gonna go hey i'm sure it's cool yeah i'm sure it's cool <laughs> uh you mentioned the wildlife on your most recent trip you saw i mean the orcas were sweet but any other i'm i'm sure bears oh man so much wildlife we had tallied it up and i think that we saw like 70 75 humpback whales throughout our journey so almost like like almost one per day i mean some days we saw um, like three or four several um we saw some bubble net feeding with the the uh, humpbacks which is an absolutely phenomenal what, what, what did you see so bubble net feeding is when humpbacks kind of blow out bubbles around a school of fish oh and, and then they can't swim in it yeah, well, so the fish will kind of be pushed in the middle, and then a humpback will come from underneath and open its jaw and open its gullet and just take oh. a massive bite, and then they surface out of the water. So it makes for this absolutely phenomenal spectacle. You just see a humpback's mouth. Like. Exactly. Uh, and and we were like so fortunate to be able to see that on the water, but also off the coastline at low tide where the water just dives so deep so that the whales are just, just there. Right in front of you. A few meters away. Oh, that's cool. That was absolutely phenomenal. Like, really out of this world. Uh, We saw more, more bald eagles and seals that we could count. Um, And, you know, whether we saw them a thousand times, it was always so neat to see them. Uh, we saw stellar sea lions. We saw California sea lions. We saw uh, we saw sea otters, uh, you know, in, in small rafts. Uh, some with their pups on their chest. Some blowing air in their fur to kind of keep yeah. that uh, um, that. Uh, I'm losing my words here. The capacity to float, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The buoyancy. The buoyancy. Thank you. And um, I mean, we saw we saw a coastal wolf at some point. We saw a moose on an island. You know, like just this moose out, like in a weird spot. Yeah. Obviously, probably swam there. We saw numerous black bears. We saw numerous grizzlies. Um, Fortunately, we saw grizzlies in like a safer, safer <laughs> yeah, good. environment. Good. We weren't too, uh, it wasn't too bad. We didn't have like any bad encounters. Um, what else did we see? We saw some porpoises. Um, we saw some doll porpoises. Um, some mat, like 
numerous salmon jumping. Um, Were you fishing? Nah. Yeah, I mean, like, it would have been neat to fish, but it was also just an extra item that you have to care for. And by the end of the day, you're like, "Mm, do I want to fish or do I just want (laughs) to chill out and sit down? Although you could have probably done both. Um, I think it was just more or less the the idea of like smelling like fish and potentially bears kind of coming close. No, fair. Yeah, and both of us are not fishermen, so we would have just like screwed up like our (laughs) filleting and stuff like that. Right, right. But yeah, we were just, you know, we were very lucky in regards to to wildlife. You know, the West Coast is phenomenal. I think they call Northern BC the... Serengeti of North America. Or oh yeah. Something? yeah. Oh yeah. For, for, for good sure. reason. You know? Absolutely. I mean, I believe that. No, like, oh, for sure. I mean, I think we saw minky whale as well. Um, a few pods of orcas. Um, it's just nonstop, you know, like in, in every day. Like, I mean, East Coast, a lot of people. West Coast, a lot of wildlife. You know, like, and also, also some communities were absolutely phenomenal. We are, we were so lucky to, to like be able to hang out in the Heltzik community, uh, off, uh, like close to, well, in Bella Bella or close to yeah. Bella Bella, or uh, Kitasu Xeces First Nations, um, and Klemtu. I mean, they were so. Like it was so great to hang out yeah. with folk and and have them, you know, not only like show us their community, but really like explain like the depth of their whole land. You know, like all of these areas were like were passed down for like fourteen thousand years. Yeah. You know, like no one knows this land better than they do. It's it's literally theirs and or at the very least it's you know they've been there they've occupied it for yeah millennia and it just made for some great information some great knowledge and also some fun times you know my uh we're gonna spend may in Haida Gwaii. okay oh I'm, yeah i'm stoked i've never been i've never really been on to that part of the country oh it's gonna be nice i mean i have never been to Haida Gwaii. i think i saw it at some point on my expedition from yeah, you probably would have seen it way off of yeah. the left <laughs> how how uh skagway is such a weird town to end in <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of yeah it was kind of weird um so I, I, we spent a day there once and we were just like what I mean, is this place it was cool because you know historically with the gold rush yeah um it's an interesting town and it's styled in the manner of like the 1800 or but all fake because it's for the cruise ship industry exactly that's where it becomes that's where it's weird weird. that's where it's it's the cruise ships it's kind of like atlantic city exactly suddenly you have like like thousands upon thousands of people just popping out of these boats yeah and that's just... that's why it was weird we were my wife and i were there and it was like kind of a ghost town and we were milling around and then next thing you know there was it's like two thousand people yeah. downtown we were like what the hell yeah <laughs> but we met some cool folk because at some point the the people in the in the boats they leave and and you're still there 
and we're just like okay do we camp out here and we were able to find this uh this 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 place where we couch surfed and um i mean it did the job it did the trick but it yeah that was a, another kind of wild ending actually two days prior to arriving in skagway i got pretty sick you know like uh i i think i had covid uh caught in juno from a few days prior right and it was the first time i got covid and i mean i'm vaccinated and everything but still it hit me like a bus and i still had 60ks to do and I thought I was going to die. You know, like I thought <laughs> it was over. I thought like, oh man, spot device is getting really attractive right now. Like, I mean, thankfully I had, you know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty, you know, fair knowledge in first aid. So I had all the pharmacy, all the medication yeah. that I would need in a circumstance like that. But I doubled up doses so that I could just survive those last. Just to get days. to Skagway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I am very talkative and Chris was noticing that I was not saying a, a word, you know, like, like super dark and intense and just like barely holding on to my, uh, my I look kayak. forward to that episode. Uh, well, I mean, fortunately, we kind of had wrapped everything up. So that little section of time, there's not much to it. Right. Because it was like a, it was like between seven in the morning and like two in the afternoon where i felt like absolute shit i wasn't taking a camera out to film right. whether chris filmed me or not a different story or if we commented i don't even remember but i did feel awful and but like at the end of the day there was like just a you know a good six hours where i thought i was gonna i was gonna i was Expire. gonna fire right. yeah i right. thought i was gonna just you know like you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna wait here and die. You know, like I'm just, and I knew it was COVID. I knew there was like yeah. this was not normal. Like, right, my huge fever, just freezing cold. Yeah, yeah. muscular wise, I had no. Like there was, it's like I, I was drained from all my electrolytes. There was no like electricity passing through my body. Right. Right. The drugs did the trick. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, you gotta have a good first aid kit, man. Oh man. Yeah, you can't that's something you can't replace. So you, no. Yeah, you no. gotta have that. Um I've got like a buddy who's a physician and this last trip we were on, he like wrote me the <laughs> the prescription, which was That's like, it. Yeah, that's it. We, we had all the drugs, man. Yeah. Like stuff that you know all sorts of crazy. I, I don't even know what they all do. He's he like has a whole gave me a whole thing like this one like if you cut yourself list. really bad it like thickens your blood so you don't bleed out and like you know, 10 different antibiotics and yeah yeah for sure and especially like in in wilderness um like isolated areas like like that i mean you kind of want those things because i mean we're still isolated but we do have a few communities left and right that we could potentially go to but yeah like i remember in some expeditions like you literally had prescriptions for like adrenaline in case you were, uh, you got, you went into, uh, you, you had like a massive algae attack or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, sh like, and it was all prescribed and you had to like demonstrate that you knew yeah. exactly what you were doing. 
Uh, the, do you have like little vials of adrenaline <laughs> in your first aid kit? It's crazy. Hmm. Ben, who's my physician buddy, he's he's an ER like doc, but by by like day job. But mm-hmm. he's he does a lot of. He's a good sailor, and he sails. Does these like oh you know transatlantic or transpacific. He gets on as the like ship physician <laughs> for people who are doing big ah, expeditions on dang. sailboats, and he's got this like huge medical kit, and he's got. He was like, we were going through it. He was like showing me like, oh, you should take this, and you probably don't need this, but you should take this because we were we were really balancing weight, weight to. The the weight for us was important because we did a lot of portaging. Yeah. So like I would love to have his like huge medical kit, but I didn't want to carry it. So we were like picking out the stuff, and he's like, "Oh, this one is." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Guess what that is? I was like, "I don't know." And it was ketamine. Oh shit! And I was like, "Why the hell do they have ketamine?" We're gonna have a party, guys. <laughs> yeah. But he's saying he's you get into situations where people, if you're on a boat with like five or six people, and maybe one of them isn't quite as experienced as the others, and they start to have a panic attack, he'll just he'll. Drop give, that. Give here. Take a take a ketamine and go lay down for a while. It mellows yeah. people out. So, I mean, it's crazy. You know, like I I get it. And like, I'm. You know, I I smoke weed sometimes on my like sometimes I smoke weed on my expeditions, <laughs> and it helps. You know, it helps to just you know push forward. You kind of fall into this pattern of progression where you're right. like you're in a routine. You're just doing the same same movement most time and like uh, you know smoking a joint kind of hey what's what's that over there <laughs> yeah nature dude. Oh, it's yeah, good. Nature. great nature oh. great nature hey. good hey, good way hey, chris <laughs> you get close to him and you like say something like yeah yeah you just said that ah oh, okay then you paddle away and you paddle back at least you just said that you know great like, <laughs> great weight to pleasure ratio too Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean that and that and like tequila. I saw your your tequila. Uh, uh, you guys were enjoying your tequila. Ah, oh, for Sweet. sure. Yeah, yeah. Chris, you put your you you put your big finger in my cup though. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show, man. I think we'll you know wrap it up there. Yeah, but definitely. Tell, man. remind everybody uh, where they can watch your show. So uh, go and check it, us out. Go check us out on YouTube for fun's sake expedition, FFS underscore expedition. There is a, a big bear on an orca. Go check it out. Check out our, our episodes. Subscribe. We want to do this again. Uh, hopefully monetize with some commercials. Be patient. Just watch the commercial. Or not. Just skip it. But anyways, we want to do this again. We figured this was a relatively easy way to start bringing in some small dollars and get some sponsors. So for fun's sake, expedition, subscribe, check us on Facebook, on Instagram, check out our website and uh, we hope you enjoy. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks man. I loved it. Cool.